Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Wednesday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you, as always, for making the show a part of your day. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Leave a rating and a review after you subscribe to the podcast. That would be very much appreciated. And as always, I'm so glad that you are with me. A couple of things to get to today. Number one, I'll talk about a couple of old Miss players in the NFL and just how stupid sometimes NFL teams do drafting. Also, this Auburn game coming up on Saturday for Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin, how important is this game really? I spent all offseason telling you that you should consider this year zero, that there is so much going against them this offseason that this year should be looked at differently. But this game on Saturday feels like it's a very important game. So we'll look at that. Also, a look at Auburn. Just what they do well, what they don't do well, what Ole Miss should expect to see from the Tigers on Saturday. And then the uh, worst of it, Ole Miss is dealing with more uh, COVID situations. It's um, Lane Kiffin is shining a light, and Ross Dellinger ran a story this morning or late last night, if I remember correctly, that said that uh, conferences are reviewing their contact tracing rules because they, they honestly don't make any sense at all. Um, they're really quite stupid. And because it sounds like Ole Miss is actually following through with contact tracing, Lane Kiffin thinks other schools are not. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well as Ole Miss and enters another Saturday where there's potential, uh, there are potentially guys going to be out because of COVID. So we'll discuss all of that coming up. But first, I want to remind you, as always, the podcast brought to you by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you here at Super Talk and uh, get one of their daily lunch specials as well. They're not just a meat market, although they are the best around. Uh, They also have great daily lunch specials. uh, So stop by Monday through Friday and get one of those, but they are open seven days a week. Again, LB's University Avenue right there in Oxford. So a couple of things. This stood out to me. I won't spend too much time on it because I do want to get to this Auburn game, but There's this clip floating around. It went viral yesterday of Laramie Tunsil for the Texans. He plays left tackle for the Texans uh, in their game against the Titans this past Sunday. And the clip, it's really honestly mind-blowing. And and he he does this stuff on the regular. I mean, you guys saw him in college, and there's an argument to be made that he's Ole Miss's best player since Eli. I mean, there's a real argument to be made for that. That's how flat-out dominant he was in college and how flat-out dominant he is in the NFL. So the clip that's going viral, uh, Brandon Thorne covers the NFL, tweeted this video of Tunsil, and so the ball is snapped, and there's there's a stunt on the Titans' defensive line. So Clowney's lined up on him, and Clowney tries to go outside in on him, And Tunsil stands him up. This is the most athletic, one of the most athletic pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, Tunsil sticks him in the chest and stands him straight up. And then there's a looper coming around on the stunt, right? 
So Clowney's trying to go inside to get a free rusher around the outside of the left tackle and get to Deshaun Watson. Tunsil sticks Clowney, reaches out with his left hand, and blocks the other defensive lineman coming around on the stunt. Tunsil successfully, by the way, Deshaun gets off an accurate pass down the field. I think it was for a first down. Blocked two guys at once. Jadavion Clowney being one, stood him up, kept Clowney on his right hand, and blocked the, the stunning lineman with his left hand as he came around the edge, successfully blocking two guys by himself at the exact same time. It's it's really just little nuances of NFL games that um, that, that you just miss, when, especially when you're watching the side angle, when you don't get to see the All-22 like this video is. It's hard to appreciate elite-level offensive line play like this, but that clip that went viral, and I tweeted it, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see it there, um, is just an example of how elite that he is. And when you pair that with how just outstanding DK Metcalf has been, he leads the NFL in a lot of receiving categories. He's just as dominant himself. It's always mind-blowing when you look at some draft mistakes that are made in the NFL. And, and I know Tunsil was a first-round guy, and Metcalf wasn't a second-round guy. So it's not like these dudes fell to the sixth round or, or something like that. But there were multiple NFL front offices, multiple, that when a video of Laramie Tunsil smoking weed came out, decided to pass on him. It, the New York Giants being one of them, who needed and still need to this day offensive line help. God forbid a guy that was in college smoked weed at least one time to the point where you pass on him and let him fall down to Miami and then get traded to Houston. I, how you could sit in the front office, I know what the counter is. Well, it's just uncertainty. You know, you didn't know what more was going to come out, but... Imagine being the Giants and knowing what you know about the players in the NFL and what they do off the field and passing on that guy because, God forbid, he smoked weed one time. And then the DK Metcalf thing is equally as mind-blowing when you consider all of the criticism that he got. It, you know, the the three-cone drill thing is something that everybody makes a joke about. And there's a famous uh, Todd Luganbill, or Tom Luganbill tweet that, gets circulated about how you need to watch the tape because he's not very good. And then, of course, you know, you had a local media personality say that he's not even a top 10 high school player in this state. People bent over backwards, bent over backwards and twisted their soggy little brains in pretzels to try to tell you that this super tall, super strong, super fast guy was not going to be a good NFL wide receiver. And multiple NFL front offices decided, you know what? We don't want that super fast and super long and tall guy. No, we want somebody else. It just, they overthink things so much. Why would you ever care about DK Metcalf's three-cone drill? He's not running little short underneath routes over the middle. That's not his style. You're going to put him on the outside, and you're going to tell him to run faster than the other guy because he is, and catch the ball at the highest point because you're taller and longer than everybody. 
It's just crazy to me that, I mean, I get media doing stuff like this because here's a little secret for all of you. We don't know what the hell we're talking about most of the time. I mean, it always cracks me up when I see a, uh, like a, a local beat writer. You don't see it much in Mississippi, which I think is good because you, but you have beat writers that do film studies and they don't really know what they're looking at. I mean, I could sit down and like, I'm going to talk about the Auburn game in a, here in a little bit and, and tell you some very obvious things about what Auburn's going to show Ole Miss in this simple way for them to beat it. But like, if you wanted me to sit down with like a laser pointer with the All-22 and to break down Auburn's defense and all of its nuances, I, I'm going to look like a fool. That's why I stay away from stuff like that most of the time. Um most reporters should as well. So I get why the media does this stuff with DK Metcalf. Oh, well, his three-cone drill, it's not going to be a good receiver, and he's going to be a bust because you just ha- absolutely have to have a contrarian take. I mean, no matter how stupid it, it could sound, I guess the goal in media today is just to be a contrarian and not to be honest. Um, but the NFL team's doing this. It, it just every time DK Metcalf scores a touchdown, I think... How the hell did anybody expect he wouldn't be like this? And then with the Tunsil deal, I mean, really, you, especially the New York Giants, were going to let that guy slip because he did something that the majority of your team does all the time? It's just crazy how those two guys in particular... Tunsil fell because of something that was out of his control. Everybody knew he was an elite-level tackle, but passing on him because he did weed one time. I know people enjoyed that joke on Twitter, too, but um, people passed on him because of that. Desperate need for offensive line help and passed on him. And then you have an extremely tall and long Super athletic freak that can run faster than everybody and jump higher than everybody and is stronger than everybody fell to the second round. It's cra- I mean, and these are scouts and general managers that operate multi-billion dollar organizations and they watched DK Metcalf work out and watched him play and decided, you know what, that's not going to work. At every level of his career, you knew he was destined for the NFL. As long as you didn't have, you weren't trying to twist your brain into pretzels to have some kind of a take that didn't exist. It's crazy to me. So that clip, uh, forgive the rant, but that clip yesterday reminded me of just how stupid sometimes the uh, NFL front offices can get when it comes to drafting players. Because these two dudes were absolute no-brainers. I mean, I, I don't... Laramie Tunsil smoked weed. His his phone got hacked, which is what clearly was going on when he was at the draft. Um, the Giants are stupid for not taking him in that spot. Oh, we didn't know if there was anything more. Give me a break. And then Metcalf falling is just absurd. I mean, it's just a completely absurd. But if you're DK, you're happy where you ended up. Because he's got the best deep ball thrower in the game. And so he's shining in that system, and I mean, shocked to learn that a guy with his size and speed is a good NFL wide receiver. I mean, just mind-blowing. Anyway, 
All right, on to uh, Ole Miss in the game with Auburn on Saturday. And I'll pose the question again like I did at the very beginning. Is Auburn... I actually didn't ask it this way, but is Auburn the most important game in Matt Corral's life? How important would you call this game as an Ole Miss fan on Saturday against Auburn? So uh, the line... If I I had it up, I guess I got rid of it on accident. Yesterday was three and a half, uh, so I'll just confirm to make sure that's what it was. And I was a little surprised by that. Because if you watched Auburn play South Carolina, and I did, I stomached that, um, there were no winners in that game. I know South Carolina technically had more points than Auburn. That was an awful football game between two pretty bad football teams. Um, Auburn's, quite frankly, they're bad. They're bad. Simply a bad football team. Among a lot of bad football teams in the the middle of the SEC right now. But they were number 15 going into that game, and that was was ridiculous. They're not even anywhere close to being a ranked team at all. They've got a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. So they did lose the game. It was close, but there were no winners really in that one. It was a bad football game between two pretty bad teams. Line has dropped down to three, by the way. Finally got that back for you. So it's a winnable game that Ole Miss, even though I'm surprised by the line being what it is, they are an underdog, but it's an absolutely winnable game at home. And Ole Miss enters into this game one and three. How important is this game to you? Because I kind of feel like I'm going to be contradictory here. I think it bears repeating because I do believe this is true. I think this year, the goal is to just look better. Just be competent, look better, like I talked about after the Alabama game. Just be competent. Look like you belong on the field with the better teams in your conference and just play the season. Because of everything that was against them, I told you many times this summer, this should be considered year zero for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And so on one hand, I believe that is true, but also on the other, I do think this game has real important value placed on it, especially for your quarterback. Because even though on Monday and then on the Sunday show and on the radio show yesterday, I'm going to beat this drum that there should be no quarterback shuffling, that Matt Corral should be your quarterback. And Plumlee should not see the field in any capacity other than maybe a one-time change of pace every so often. That being said, if this Saturday goes similarly to last week, that could change things a little bit. Um, It's important for him, especially, to play a clean game. To, to come back down to what you saw the first three weeks and play a clean game and not force the issue, not press like he did on Saturday against Arkansas. I think this game matters not so much for Ole Miss, not so much for Lane Kiffin, because I think um, everything that has gone, in, gone on with this season uh, shouldn't place major, significant, like must-win kind of value on any of these games, but I think this game is extremely important for Matt Corral. Uh, He has got to play well on Saturday uh, for a multitude of reasons. Number one, he's got to play well for them to be able to win, but I think he has got to play well to eliminate the 
And maybe it's not going on inside the facility. In fact, I doubt it. Jerry and Ely had some quotes yesterday basically uh, saying that they believe in their guy. He's their guy. They believe in him. He's facing a little adversity, but he knows he's going to bounce back. You know, saying all the right things. So maybe it hasn't infiltrated the locker room. But from a... I don't know if this even matters, but from a fan base perspective, uh, he needs to play well. And so everybody can get back on the same page because it felt like, to a lesser degree, of course, uh, through the conversations I've had and the messages I've gotten on the various shows that I do, that it feels a little bit like last year with some fan divisiveness. And that's the first time since Kiffin's been hired, really, um, that I've felt it like this. And so... Him playing well, I think, would just settle everybody and everything down and get people's eyes focused in the right place, which is forward and not the backup quarterback. I don't know how much that actually matters because they are very clearly focused on big picture in building there. If you can believe it, I think Lane Kiffin has great perspective uh, when it comes to what one game matters and what this season in particular matters uh, with his quotes after the game, and then on Monday's press conference, he said, hey, you know, he's kind of being an ass, but I think in a funny way when he said, you know, if I'd, if I'd have known you'd thrown three more interceptions, maybe I'd have considered making a change, but um, the hindsight being 2020 deal. They've got really good perspective on what they need to do as a program moving forward. So maybe this doesn't even matter to them internally, but for the fans and, and everybody that I've interacted with over the last couple of days, I think it's extremely important that he plays well here to eliminate the kind of toxic energy that's been going on, at least around the fans uh, this week. Some of them, anyway. Like I said, not the, to the degree of last year, but... To just get rid of this noise that's going on right now. It's faint, but it's there. And a good performance Saturday, I think, is really important uh, for that. Among, of course, they need him to do that in order to win the football game on Saturday. I don't know if any of that made sense or not. But I think it's just important he plays well to kind of shut everybody up. Um, And he's capable of doing that. So how... How do they do that? What do they need to do um, in order to get this done, in order to beat Auburn? And I think, looking at the way Auburn's going to approach them defensively, I'll read a couple of quotes for you from uh, Kiffin's latest, or one of his most recent press conferences about uh, attacking Auburn and what they're going to look, or what they're going to look like. He said, one, talking about Everybody around Corral, you had multiple drops from the receivers and stuff like that. Kiffin said, quote, We didn't play well around him. Really, for the first game, we had drops, a number of them, significant. It's a bad recipe. That was their game plan. They were going to play back there. We had 10 third and four pluses at the beginning. That's unheard of. They did a great job. They said they weren't going to pressure him. They were going to play deep and make him check the ball down, which he did not do. He said it was really shocking we were even in the game, let alone having the ball with three minutes left and a chance to go win. It's really crazy. A lot of that goes into our defense playing well and creative negative plays. Uh, It's a game you wish you could have back, but you don't. You have to learn from it. Elijah Moore said a lot of stuff went wrong. It wasn't just Matt. It was the whole team, the whole group. As an offense, we didn't do what needed to be done. That's in the past. We're now on 
to the next. So Auburn's going to try to do the same thing. I think at least uh, in part. Um, Here's more from Kiffin, actually. I I skipped some. I wanted to get to this this first. He said they they pay the defensive coordinators in this conference a lot for a reason. So you know you can't just get away with what you're doing. They're going to scheme you up. Arkansas did the same thing to Mississippi State. And Kentucky did the same thing to State, too. So people will copycat it. We're going to have to run the ball better and work different things in the passing game. He said they had six and what could have been eight interceptions. I think it was surprising to all of us with a team that had been through three games and turned the ball over once. The quarterback really hadn't thrown a ball near an interception. One tip all year, and then to do that, I never would have guessed that. I don't think I've been part of that before, so you have to learn from it. Obviously, we should have been more patient with the run, not because of how we're playing. They were not going to let us throw the ball to beat them, and it is what it is. He said they put two tight ends in the second half, and they struggled with that defensively because they were outnumbered in there, uh, outnumbered in there, and we were able to run the ball. There are other formations and personnel you can go to to help with that, but when people do that and play boxes like that, you have to run them out of it, or else you get long days. So, um. That kind of shines a light into what I expect to see from Ole Miss this weekend. I think that Auburn's going to do the exact same thing. They're smart enough. They're going to try to play a very, not entirely similar, but close to that the way teams play Mississippi State. And the difference between Ole Miss and Mississippi State is Mississippi State's offense, offense, uh, I don't know why I just said it that way, is um, just so pass-dependent and not very flexible um, so they're kind of stuck right now. Ole Miss has the benefit of a team that is willing and able to run the football. And so if Auburn gives you that same look where they drop a bunch of guys into zone, only bring three, don't really load the box, and dare Ole Miss to, or not let Ole Miss throw the ball downfield and get beat that way, then like Kiffin said, they're going to have to run out of it. But also Matt Corral is going to have to make better decisions almost run an offense or at least make decisions the same way Drew Brees has had to do for the Saints. I've made that comparison before, but they have to keep everything underneath now. I mean, he doesn't throw the deep ball well, so they're kind of forced into it, but Ole Miss can do the same thing here with Auburn. If they do run this kind of deep zone where they're not letting you get anything downfield, like Kevin said, they're going to have to run the football, and they did, and that's why they got back into the game on Saturday against Arkansas And luckily for them, they've got two high-level running backs that are able to do it. And they've proven, albeit not consistently, that they can run the football, even against like an Alabama who didn't throw a bunch of guys back into a zone. I mean, Ole Miss physically dominated Alabama up front on the offensive line versus their defensive line in front seven. So they can do it, and they're capable of doing that. But when you do have to throw the football, Matt Corral's going to make better decisions. You've got to utilize the checkdowns. Uh, be willing to take short passes, intermediate routes, and stuff like that to get Auburn out of that. And once you're able to do that, boom, you beat them over the top. But it requires patience, and it requires Matt Corral to not force things, which he did on Saturday. I would expect to to see a lot more backs out of the backfield catching footballs on Saturday. Uh, Maybe some quick slant, stuff like that, just to take advantage, if in fact that's what Auburn does, which everybody and their brother kind of anticipates them doing exactly what Arkansas did. So 
Matt Corral has got to just simply take what the defense gives him at times and be patient and not force things down the field when it's just simply not there. That's the key to beating Auburn, and I think they're going to be able to do that. I am not a believer in Auburn. In fact, I, I, even in spite of the six interceptions last week, I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win this game because um, I think, quite simply, that Auburn is good at one thing, and it's running the football with Tank, Tank Bigsby. Really good at running the football, especially to the right side. More success running over the right guard and tackle than they do on the left side. He's a really good player for a true freshman. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's he's shifty and he absorbs hits really well. Really good running back. So Ole Miss is going to have to be good in the front seven. But I think that they're going to be able to kind of load the box and not be too worried about Bo Nix in the passing game because he's bad. And Auburn doesn't protect him very well. The, they run the ball well. They don't pass protect well at all. And Bo Nix is awful in the pocket when he's given one. And he's pressured pretty frequently. And also he makes very bad decisions. And not a great passer to begin with. There are a lot of things wrong with Auburn. Uh, on the offensive line, in the passing game, the receivers are pretty good. Uh, it's not a bad set of receivers. But Bo Nix can't get the ball to them consistently. Uh, I think Ole Miss might load the box here and dare him to beat them and not let Bigsby beat them. So that's a key to the game to look forward to um, because that's the guy that can and will beat you. And he's a true freshman, and he's really high level, but Bo Nix and that offensive line protecting Bo Nix are not good. There were multiple times in the South Carolina game where Bo Nix bailed out from a clean pocket. So even when he's protected, he's uncomfortable with it. Has not made any improvement at, at all year over year. So if if they can play the way they did last week defensively and Corral can settle into the game a little bit and just complete easy passes and they run the football well, they have a really good chance at winning this game because I am not a believer in Auburn at, at any level. Not at any level do I believe in Auburn's ability to win any game remaining on their schedule uh, unless they have, uh, they've lucked into Vanderbilt. And let's see. They did not. I think Auburn... Let's see. They've got Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M. I think they're going 2-4 and four at best down the stretch. I'm real, I've, Watching that South Carolina game really put a bad taste in my mouth when, when talking about Auburn. So Ole Miss has a really, really, really good chance at winning this game but it requires their quarterback to learn from last week and be patient, which is the most important thing here. Run the football, and Matt Corral has to be patient because if they're really going to do this rush three, drop eight thing, you've got to take what they're giving you, and that's short stuff uh, underneath. And last thing for you here, uh, a COVID update because you guys just love those, I'm sure. Um. Kiffin said on Monday that the that Ole Miss has had, quote, some more uh, positives uh, and players being held out pop up over the last three days. He said, quote, it's becoming very challenging. I still don't understand how, if I get it, and Adam, the media relations guy, is around me, I'm out for 10 days, and Adam is out for 14 days and can't test out of it. That's what is really difficult. 
losing close contacts for 14 days that could continue to test negative. He continued, that to me is the part that's really frustrating because some schools have different rules. In some cases, I think school A is going to play a guy in that exact same situation while school B does not. And that's really frustrating. Uh, Ross Dellinger, like I said earlier, uh, ran a story on that, and they're considering changing that. But that the, the contact tracing rules need to be reexamined because that might be what destroys the season. The inability to test out of quarantine. Nick Saban, though, can test out of quarantine, and that's okay. If he, which I'm glad it happened, but if Nick Saban was able to get a positive and then after multiple negative tests was able to return to play, there should be some kind of ability to test out of quarantine for a close contact because that is absurd. Having to wait 14 days regardless of what your tests say. They need to fix that or else the season's going to be derailed because Ole Miss might be without, and the word is, it's still defense. And so I don't know how how true that is. That's just kind of the word that it's more guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, It's ridiculous that they can't test out of quarantine. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense at all. And something needs to happen. They need to to fix this. They need to alter it. They need to change things. I don't know what they have to do, but the fact that, um, one, there appears to be some inconsistency with how it's being enforced and the close contacts and, and things like that, some real inconsistency with how that's being enforced, um, as a result, something needs to change. I don't know exactly what that could be, but this isn't working out at all. And they need to do something about it. Because this just doesn't make any sense. And the fact that Ole Miss could be without some players is just um, unacceptable. But for what it's worth, uh, according to videos they posted on their Instagram, uh, a little more, uh, a little more hidden this week than last week. Uh, Elijah Moore and Kenny Aboa are both practicing. Now they didn't really show much else. I mean, there was uh, one of Ryder Anderson; he was there. Uh, but they last week it was easy to tell that Corral Moore and Ely. And Snoop Connor all practiced. They haven't shown uh, us everybody yet, but at least you know that those two guys uh, are practicing this week for whatever that's worth to you. But yeah, this has got to get altered or else it'll really uh, really limit the, the season's ability to finish because close contacts that don't even get it, don't have it having to wait two weeks before they can test out of quarantine just doesn't make sense. And that's got that's got to change. Uh, or else this is going to become a clown show very, very quickly. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Quick thoughts on Auburn. I um, honestly think that this is a game that Ole Miss can and should win. Matt Krause has got to be patient. Um, they can really load the box, I think, to try to stop Bigsby because... Bo Nix has regressed almost year over year, uh, just in a really bad place right now when you can get to him. And so a really good shot for Ole Miss to win on Saturday. But anyway, that's it for me. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. And I will talk to you again on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.